Hello and welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet, a podcast brought to you by Quilter Financial Planning. We're here to lift the lid on the world of financial advice, providing insight for those already in the industry and anyone thinking of a new career. I'm Hannah Vaughan-Jones. Join me as we address common misconceptions head on, gather advice from practicing advisors, speak with those who have overcome hurdles and hear people's inspiring stories who have chosen this industry from all walks of life. In today's episode, we delve into establishing and growing an advisory business. We discuss starting out, the ups and downs of business, and the surprising skills that will help you to succeed. And my three guests here with me today to discuss all of this are David Braithwaite, Managing Director of Citrus Financial, James Rice, Director of David James Wealth Limited, and Adam Stubbings, Director and Principal of Compass Financial. Welcome to you all. Hello. Hi. Hi, Anna. Now, we're going to just start off with a little bit about the work that you uh, individually do and uh, what your role is in the world of financial advice. So perhaps if we can start with you, David. So I started in financial planning back then in 1994 and uh, zero clients and started off originally doing just mortgages for people, helping people out doing that and then moved more into the general sort of financial planning with pensions and investments as well. And then since then sort of built up the team to where we are now of 12, but also set up other sort of complementary businesses as well. So I've got a conveyancing practice, a healthcare business, uh, conveyancing, coaching, um, and wills and trust company as well. Uh, so day to day for me is divided among spreading myself around those businesses, but I still absolutely love the client work. I love that face-to-face contact that you have with clients and actually creating those relationships. So the fun never stops. Adam, see you now. Yeah, so slightly ahead of David on the uh, on, on joining industries, came into the industry in 1990, uh, I trained in London before moving up to North Wales in 2000, decided to set up my own business, Compass Financial, in 2009. Back in those days, we had around about 40 clients, around about 4 million of clients' assets under management. Today, uh, knocking on the door of um, 28 staff, about 400 million under management and about two and a half thousand clients. Made a big decision quite recently about my role. Back end of last year, I decided to recruit myself a managing director. He joined me on the 1st of March, so the most amazing timing you could imagine. Um, and he's taken over the day-to-day running of the business for me now, which is, which is absolutely fabulous, which enabled me to focus on, on more growth. And also, I tend to look after the high net worth clients as well, which is, uh, David's identified, is, is the part of the job that I think we all really love. And James, last but not least, uh, did you kickstart things in the 1990s as well? Uh, no, I, no, I didn't. Uh, I, was, I was finishing school, I think, in the 1990s, <laughs> so uh, at 2000s. Yeah, I, I actually, uh, I went to college in, in America on a golf scholarship. Uh, and then when I graduated, I turned professional briefly. Uh, before realizing pretty quickly that um, uh, I, I wasn't going to be good enough to, to make a living at golf. But I think uh, through that experience, I saw uh, a number of my sort of contemporaries who were successful enough to uh, make it, but still really struggled to um, support themselves financially, which to me was always a, a massive surprise, especially given the, the money that some of them were earning. Uh, and I then went into um, financial services and met my co-director, David Cresswell, who's been working in the industry for a lot longer than I have. Um, and so my role really has always involved uh, wearing many hats. I was never going to be the guy, sort of the wizard in the ivory tower, if you like, crunching the numbers. 
that's David's role. My role's more been around growing the business, um, uh, expanding, running the cash management, understanding how we can grow, bring on talented people to help us to do that. Well, we'll get into the, the, the potential transferable skills from golfing to financial advice in, in a bit. But first, let's uh, go back to David and also to Adam. How did you get into this industry to start with? Well, from my point of view, I was, I was doing uh, a state agency and things before that and got made redundant from a state agency and got a job. I blagged myself into somehow running a branch for a building society, but right opposite the building, and it was a very narrow walkway, uh, was the Halifax Building Society. So I used to be seeing clients coming in to talk to me about their mortgages and savings, knowing full well that actually a lot of the times there was a better deal literally across the road. So I'd, I felt very disingenuous in telling them to open an account with me when I really wanted to be honest with them and say, but actually go to Halifax because they're better looking, <laughs> you can see the rate. Um, so I decided at that point to go off and do it on my own, where I could actually give advice as though I was the person in the seat opposite me. So the way I give advice is knowing what I know, what would I be telling you to do if I was you? And it doesn't get much simpler than that, but that's what started me off. The sheer frustration of not being able to say what I wanted to and having my tongue tied by corporate. <laughs> Probably the easiest way of describing it. <laughs> and Adam, what about you? How did you get into yeah, it? I wish mine was that uh, well-structured. No, my, my entrance into the industry revolves around a, a Rover 220 SI car because I was uh, looking for a job and uh, I didn't have a car. And uh, back in those days, there was a company uh, called NPI, um, who were a pensions organization based in London. Uh, they were looking for trainees, raw recruits, and um, they offered a car um, So uh, as part of the package. So I thought, well, at worst, I'm going to get a car. But one thing I've always found, I've always found people incredibly fascinating. And I can sit and listen to someone's story every day of the week forever. And I think that was probably one of the main attributes that meant that when I did come into the industry that I, I thoroughly enjoyed because, you know, I spent most of my time sitting and listening to, to, to people. Um, and then um, I've always enjoyed um, solving problems. Now, um, uh, I, I used to be a professional diver um, and uh, my life was full of situations where I was solving problems. Um, and effectively, uh, it was planning, lots of planning and lots of uh, solving problems. And, and in fact, ironically, in financial services, it's lots of planning and lots of solving problems and dealing with people. So for me, it's, it's a perfect career, really. And so, James, then going back to you, as I'm curious about this golfing background, it seems all three of you have really, really fascinating kind of like starts to your careers separate to, to financial advice. I mean, we've just been hearing there from Adam about the importance of, of, of people skills, of problem solving and planning. I mean, are all those facets of the golf world as well that you've been able to bring into financial advice? Uh, yeah, I think there's some, definitely some similarities to what Adam was saying. I mean, certainly to be successful, you know, in anything, but especially in professional sport now, given how competitive it, it, it is, um, you need to be extremely uh, dedicated, organized. Uh, you know, you need to have a plan. Let's take golf as an example, but it's, it's the same across the board in all of the, the sports these days. They're all athletes, you know, in all, all areas of their profession, not just in swinging a golf club and I think Adam's right in what he says that to run a successful planning business or to be a successful financial planner 
you have to be prepared and organized also willing to adapt as well because things are going to change you know we've seen that certainly this year with the with you know coronavirus adam david will have experienced that in the past as well as being really prepared you also have to be willing to adapt and i think that's certainly things that that you learn in sport you know you can what was it? Was it Mike Tyson that said everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face? And, that, and that's, that's, you know, broadly is, is, is a similar thing in, in, our, in our world. It does certainly seem to me that all three of you have sort of found your way and found this perfect career for yourselves. Um, but you came from, from different sectors initially. I wonder whether with the benefit of hindsight, you can say that this is actually what you always should have done. Um, this is always what you wanted to do. And perhaps that that's a good piece of advice for, for other graduates or people considering a career change now that they should just bite the bullet and go for it. Adam. Yeah, James and I were talking about this the other day, funnily enough, and we were saying that, um, um, you know, our industry is changing tremendously. And what we are starting to see now is a lot of very talented uh, individuals coming into the industry. And these are people that are making career choices as to whether they're going to be a solicitor, an accountant, uh, whether they're going to be uh, working in some kind of industry in a management role or, or, or whatever it might well be. And they're choosing financial services. And that's the caliber of people that we're now starting to attract and i think it's, it's it's very important that you have the right attributes james you 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 had quite a good insight on this really didn't you i think uh, you, you you've certainly developed quite a lot of youngsters um through through your business i think our industry has suffered in the past from you know really bad reputation uh you know i was reading a book recently um about a, a fund manager actually and i think the first thing that he was told on day one was if he generated five times his salary in the next 12 months, he wasn't going to have a problem. Otherwise, he was going to be sacked. And, and broadly, that's how it was. Even when I started in this industry seven or eight years ago, it was, it was about that still, you know, even then. Um, and so David and I took the view that actually, you know, to be successful and to, to have great people in your team, you need to develop them because it takes time. You know, our, our industry, everyone that starts with us, I say to them, don't expect things to happen you know, tomorrow or even in a year or in two years, it takes, you know, time to develop and to become really good at what you do. For me, I learned that through sport. It, you know, you're never going to be good on day one you know, probably not even in, in year 10. It takes time. Uh, and, and I think Adam's absolutely right for us as an industry. Um, you know, there is, there is a big advice gap. And to fill that, we need quality people coming in and we have to support them um, through through their initial learning period when they're you know not necessarily sure what they're doing and it's not just about them being profitable for us on day one we have to help them get to that point and it, there's always bumps in the road with every and any career so perhaps you can talk us through some of the highs and lows and the, the the mistakes that you've made and that you've learned from so that other people can benefit from from your experience david uh, maybe come to you first well, I think, first of all, I think a lot of people assume that if you're in financial services that, uh, well, take me, for example, that I'm a maths wizard. I went to university, got a degree, everything else. I was appalling at school. I scraped through with very little qualifications. And I think the main reason was I didn't understand what you're supposed to use maths for. You know, why do I want to know the cosine tangent of a triangle or whatever I was learning at school? I didn't need to know that. Um, what I want to know is how I can apply it. And what I find now is, is doing in, in the business that we're in now, it's, it's about relationships. What I was good at was creating empathy, creating relationships, and I just happened to be in financial services. So I had to learn 
the ropes from there. But it isn't all, it, it, yeah, we need the knowledge, we need the qualifications, we need to have that so we can say that's what we can do. But it comes down to our ability to communicate with people effectively, genuinely care for those people that we're looking after, and follow through on what, what you said that you're going to start to do in the first place for them and don't let people down. So, yeah, we've got to train these people, as James is saying, to help people come into the profession that we're in. But above all, sort of make sure as well that we're, tra we're training them as well on, on skills that maybe they haven't got. So in terms of bumps in the road that I've had, that was a lot that held me back was the fact that I never felt that I was good enough. I never felt that I was qualified enough. But you can. If you're passionate about something, you can do it. And that, to me, is the biggest message I want to give along. But actually what it boils down to is that people want advice. The product is secondary. So often what I say to people I'm meeting with clients and saying, right, you've come to me about a pension. You don't want a pension. You want what it does. So let's figure out what it's going to do for you and how that fits into your picture. And let's advise on that. They can spot sales a mile off. You know, this is where we've got a, a bad rap from that we're mm. trying to now gradually undo. I think when I started, there were 250,000 financial advisors around. There's now, I think, less than 22,000. So our market share is much bigger than what it was. We are now a profession, not an industry, because we're now qualified to do the job that we do. You know, we're qualified and we're professionals now. That's different. That whole ethos of how we are viewed by the public is also changing. It's been like turning a tanker, but we're definitely getting there. And yeah. it's a role that we should be proud to be in. For a lot of the people listening to this podcast, they might be advisors themselves starting out in business, starting out with their own business. And they'll be curious, I'm sure, as to how you all manage to, to, to grow your business from the off. So, David, maybe I can come to you first. What would be your main bit of advice? My first bit of advice would be to actually have a goal or a target that you're trying to hit. For my first year when I left uh, the bank that I was working for, my first year's target was to earn more than what I'd done at the previous place that I worked. And I think that's what a lot of people are gonna do is to work out and spend time looking at the numbers. And James obviously is very, very good at this sort of side of his business, is looking at the maths and the numbers and work out how many appointments that you need to have to, to make sure you're looking after the clients that you've got, what level of service that you're going to offer and be able to sustain. But I think there's also some other just beautifully simple things, which is turn up on time, do what you say you're gonna do, complete what you said that you'd start and say please and thank you. Those are four basic skills that if you just get those right, you will grow your business. But you need to start off with an end in mind. So what is the goal? What's the target? And work backwards from there. I love that advice of just say please and thank you. It's the sort of advice you get, I would give to my son as well. <laughs> as well. It works across all industries, doesn't it? And all situations. Um, yeah. <laughs> James, perhaps uh, let's come to you then. Your top tips for any advisors who are listening to this. Okay, yeah. So D David, I think, has made some great points. And he also said something earlier that I thought was, was bang on the money. The, the first thing I think really that you have to do is, is really look after your existing clients. But if you don't have happy clients that you've really added value to and taken care of, the rest isn't going to come. So the first thing I think is you've really got to take care of the clients that you have. Uh, and then hopefully there'll be good referees and they'll refer you on. And the second thing I, I, I really believe in as I said earlier, you know, working with the business consultants has, has helped me to understand how to articulate this, is that we do really add value to our clients. So you need to, to be able to you know, spread that word, if you like. And that's something that maybe our industry isn't very good at at the moment, because you tend to get just advisors who end up with lots of clients, but they're not necessarily running a business. You need to be able to show the clients the value that you are adding to them. Because if you don't tell them, you know, they're not going to ask. 
Yeah, because essentially you're, you're, you're offering peace of mind to some extent, aren't you? Which is, which is invaluable to, to people, especially as we live through an age of pandemics and the like and all that uncertainty. Uh, so Adam, coming to you, uh, what would be your, your, your advice to advisors listening? To be fair, acquiring the clients is the easy part of the transaction. Um, uh, you can do a, a, an arrangement with a retiring financial advisor, but of course clients have choice. Um, and uh, when I acquired my first business, um, I was told to expect 25% um, of clients to use it as an opportunity to shop around the market and uh, perhaps to uh, go elsewhere. What we actually found in practice is that not one single client left us after that first acquisition. And we repeated this on virtually every single acquisition that we've done to date. So what I would say is to pick up on a couple of things that David and James have said is that we have um, a process in place where when we acquire a business and we bring on board new clients, um, the first thing we try and do is to set out to show how that we are going to add clear, tangible, visible, transactional value to that client. So we do a full analysis of the client's situation, a full in-depth review of their portfolios to see where the opportunities lie to, to, to add clear, clear value. The other thing that David mentioned there is service. Now, this is something that um, we absolutely pride ourselves on at Compass Financial. And um, I, I actually support my advisors two to one with administrators. And the reason I, I, I made that decision and the reason I do that is that it frees up um, a lot of the advisors time to spend with clients. They're not spending it doing administration. So, you know, I think the success of building a, an advisory business and the success to being a good advisor is that you've got to nail customer service absolutely 100% without any question. If you nail customer service, everything else will follow. This podcast is uh, being brought to us all by Quilter Financial Planning. So it's uh, pertinent at, at this time to ask me how Quilter Financial Planning has helped all three of you uh, with your businesses along the way. So Adam, um, perhaps we'll come to you first. Yeah, so um, again, let's wind the clocks back to 2009, setting up my own company, uh, always been an employed advisor um, prior to that. Um, and one of my big concerns at that particular time was the fact that I was going to now become responsible for my own uh, self-policing effectively. I was going to be responsible for my advice, which is fine. Um, and I was going to be responsible for my, my own compliance. Um, and that, and that, and that concerned me, not in as much as concerned about the advice we were giving. I was very confident about that. But I come from a world where everything you do is checked, double checked and uh, overseen by someone else. And one of the things that um, a network, Quilter obviously being a network, and, and I, I've been through all the, the, the predecessors to Quilter um, since 2009, offered me was... Um, if you like that, that reassurance, they, they, they checked our files, they checked the advice we were giving. So excuse the pun, but uh, someone who doesn't know uh, me from Adam would be checking exactly what we're you, doing as a business. You've used that one before, haven't you, Adam? Uh, do you know what? I've used it once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> full, full of the puns on this episode. <laughs> exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. Thank God yeah. my mother didn't call me something else. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, it, it, it was a nice feeling and reassuring to the client that I could say to them, well, look, this is the advice I'm going to give you. I'm now going to put this advice into a report, a recommendation, and it is going to get checked. Um, 
uh, just to make sure that what we're saying that I haven't missed anything. And that gave me a tremendous amount of peace of mind and confidence uh, back in those early days. Today, uh, Quilter still offer that service. Um, they also offer an awful lot more as a business with um, 28 staff. Uh, they offer us comprehensive training for our staff. They offer a structure and a framework which uh, we operate within um, and procedures that we operate within. So it suits me and it suits my business. And James, how has Quilter Financial Planning helped you? Uh, there's, there's a number of things you'd probably, probably be here for a while if, if we had to go into everything. But I think the main areas, uh, yeah, to be honest, are, yeah, Adam's touched on a lot of them there. What he didn't touch on is, is we have access to some amazing people um, through Quilter. So yeah, um, your financial footprint, people like Paul Young, Sarah Elmy, Mark Pataccio have been enormous in helping us to grow our business and also coming back to a point I made earlier, helping us all to understand the value that we do add to our clients. So, you know, when you come back to that conversation about price and what it's going to cost them, they, they, they did a research paper recently called the Advisor Delta, uh, which helped to, to, to show the value that the advisors can add to retail clients. I think it came out around, you know, 6% a year, which is, a, which is an eye-watering um, figure. So working with, with teams like that have been great. They also have you know, an incredibly robust process when it comes to uh, putting together that what they call their investment matrix. It's something that as, you know, as a business like ours that's growing, there's no chance that we could do the level of, of research and due diligence that they do on the, on the investment proposition side so that we can have real confidence when we're talking to our clients that what we're re recommending is going to do what we say it's going to do. Uh, and the last thing I think for us as a, as a growing business is that they um, give us access to what's called the Quilter Advisor School, which takes people through a you know, 12 to 18 month process of, of learning, uh, getting qualified, establishing themselves so that, you know, at the end of that period, they at least, you know, A, are qualified, which is really important, and B, have, have a better idea about how to be successful. Yeah, and David, um, what role has Quilter played with your company and your advisory business? Well, pretty much as, as Adam and James has said, but uh, for me, it's having that support of a large organization behind me. So I'm a small firm, but I've got a massive one backing me up. It's the brand awareness as well. We've got the, the brand of Quilter that we can use now that people recognize. But probably the most important thing for me is about risk management. They give me the confidence to do just what I'm good at, which is sit in front of a client and give financial advice compliantly and not have to worry because they can do the worrying and the checking and all the due diligence behind the scenes so that I don't have to have all that complexity in my business. I can just do more of what I'm good at and what I actually enjoy. I wouldn't want to do all the due diligence and fund research and everything. All the stuff that they just do behind the scenes just gets done. I can just do what I'm good at and sit in front of a client. And that's really important for me. Now, um, we are rapidly running out of time, chaps, but um, finally, and if you can keep this as succinct and brief as you possibly can, I wonder what your one piece of advice would be to someone thinking of starting their own advisory business. Let's go round uh, and get everyone's uh, bit of golden nugget of advice. Um, Adam, let's come to you first. Yeah, what I would say is that um, you are coming into a professional world um, and there is a massive appetite for financial advice out there at the moment, a massive appetite. You've got to start somewhere uh, working for an organization under the Quilter umbrella is, is, a, is a very good place to start. 
um, if you have aspirations to set up your own business. I've built my business through acquisition. So I've purchased businesses from retiring financial advisors, and that's enabled me to, to, to build up my client base, build up my business um, over the years. And, and I would strongly encourage anyone to go down that route. There are our advisors retiring all the time. Um, and once you've got your confidence, once you've got your skill set together, uh, believe in the proposition that you have and believe that there is an appetite out there um, and to uh, you can build your business through through acquisitions. So that's certainly the way that I've done it. And James? Yeah, I, I suppose it depends where you are. You know, if, if first thing I would say is that, go, you know, unless you're already experienced, is go and work for another business and, and, and learn how they do it. You'll soon find out whether you like it or that you don't. And if you don't, you know, for, for me, I, I work for a business that gave me a fantastic opportunity and experience. During that time, I learned both the things that I thought they did well and the things that I thought they did really badly. Uh, and that enabled me to, uh, you know, A, to meet my current co-director and B, then when we set up our own business, uh, it gave us a, a real roadmap of how we wanted to do it. So I think experience is a big thing. Uh, and then to a degree, you just have to uh, go for it. You know, if you anyone that's ever set up a business, I think it's a fantastic experience and one that, that, that I've loved. It's great fun at the start, but it's probably more stressful at the start. You know, as you become more established, you can, you're an, an able to, to hire people who can help you do some of the things that you're not necessarily so good at yourself. And David, your, your one bit of advice for someone starting their own, their own advisory business. It's exactly the same as what it was when I did start mine that I still do today, which is look after your clients, show them that you really care and do lots of what I would call the critical non-essentials. So all the little things that you can just do that show that you care for those clients and that you have a relationship with them. So, for example, we had somebody last weekend running a 10K race that was a client of ours. I sent her a text on Saturday morning saying, thinking of you today, good luck with your 10K. That has got more value than probably any of the financial advice that we can give. But what do they think of us? They really, really care. When the clients actually know that you care, then you become more referable. You'll get more recommendations and the business will follow. Don't ever chase the money. Do enough of the right things. The money will always follow. Well, I think that's about all we have time for. Thank you so much to Adam, James and David for a very informative chat. Thank you all for joining us today for Beyond the Balance Sheet, brought to you by Quilter Financial Planning. You can find us at www.quilterfinancialplanning.co.uk or our advisor school is at www.quilterfaschool.co.uk. Subscribe to our podcast through your preferred platform. I'm Hannah Vaughan-Jones. Tune into our next episode where we meet three female advisors and discuss their experiences in a previously male-dominated industry.